It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Mailing to Screens, IndieWire's TV industry-focused podcast. I'm creative producer Leo Garcia, joined as always by TV awards editor Libby Hill and TV deputy editor Ben Travers. On today's show, we'll be chatting FX's decision to release its originals on Hulu, Apple TV Plus courting awards, and the debut of Disney+. Plus. This is millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. Now it's time for the Clicka, our recap of the biggest news items from this past week. So guys, news broke last week about four FX shows, Mrs. America, Devs, A Teacher, and The Old Man moving exclusively to Hulu as part of an FX on Hulu tab. Guys, are FX and Hulu just one step closer to, to merging and becoming one entity? It sure feels like it to me. Oh, right. yeah. Absolutely. This is where Disney's going to dump its adult programming on Hulu. I feel like they're just in a in a internal war right now over which brand is stronger and the first battle has gone to Hulu. FX on Hulu feels like a very strange tab to initiate unless you're just trying to uh, like lead all of the FX people to the new watering hole and then just, you know, call it what it is from there on out. Like they're they're take and for the record like those shows that they took, those were big deal shows. Oh. Like you've got Kate Blanchett's. Yeah first like limited series on tv that that she's in throughout as opposed to like her brilliant stint on documentary now which was one episode you've got devs which is the alex garland show um that's been getting a lot of hype been around like they've been talking about for a long period of time uh and frankly looks like it cost quite a bit of money uh so fx was backing that pretty hard the um the adaptation of a teacher is an indie film that you know has a lot of potential i would say to be one of the better shows that's that's coming out like one of those that that could just sneak up and be a high quality original for the brand and then the old man is is jeff bridges and leftovers alumni yep amy brenneman thank you for that correction it's important classic leftovers casting notice (laughs) so for so for all of those shows to be leaving the fx brand and going over to hulu that seems like a pretty big indication that hulu is the favored child and eventually you know once the the uh monetary benefits of cable start to fade away and they can kind of ditch fx or turn fx into something else then a lot of those adult content that's being sponsored by Disney is just going to be filtered through Hulu. Right. And I don't think that's surprising. I mean, I think it's the natural end game for Hulu. And I don't necessarily think it's a bad idea. It depresses me. But I think the writing on the wall is that streaming is the future and Hulu is a much stronger streaming presence. And how strong is the FX brand now compared to like two or three years ago? I still like the FX brand. I love the FX brand. I just, I only want good things for John Landgraf. Libby, this past Friday, you attended an Apple TV sort of awards event. I wonder if there's anything you can sort of divulge about your evening. I did. It was, it was quite fancy. Um, I felt like a very fancy person attending, but it was the Apple TV awards kickoff mixer taking place immediately after the SAG panel for Uh, The Morning Show. Um, It was held at a hotel in West Hollywood, I believe, The Edition. And um, 
I was surprised at the turnout they had there. Uh, clearly, it was event, an event not so much for members of the press like myself, but aimed, I think, probably at voting members of the Hollywood foreign press. And you know it was important to them because both Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon were there to schmooze with people with, you know, casually dressed security guards placed positioned uh, in strategic locations throughout the ballroom. But it was nice. Like they had they had cast members from all their shows there. I was able to tell Bella Pauly how much I loved Diary of a Teenage Girl from uh, podcast favorite Marielle Heller. Yeah, it, it was it was an interesting event. People people seemed excited about it. I, I was curious about the feedback that I got because I, I was talking to some people about the morning show. And they were all very anxious to know how far, how much I'd watched and what I thought about it. And I told them I'd seen three or four. And I was like, uh, I, it got, I was like, it got better, but there, there are problems. And I talked to them about the problems of not providing enough screeners for critics to see where a show is growing. But 201, all of the cast members were like in love with this show. Like they love this show so much. And I don't know where that comes from. Like, I don't think it's a show to inspire that much passion, but they seem genuinely flummoxed by why the rest of us aren't like so enthusiastic about it. Um, Do you you get the sense based on that evening that like this is going to be a major awards player, at least at the at the Globes? I think it's going to be. Yeah, I think it's going to be a major awards player at the Globes because the Globes are their own separate entity as evidenced by the fact that they have asked Ricky Gervais to return to host for the fifth time. We went from a no-host Oscars, which most people liked, a no-host Emmys, which most people didn't like, but I don't think the host was nec- the no-host was the biggest problem, to having a host return for our next biggest award show, and that host is Ricky Gervais? That's amazing to me. I would, I just... Like, it speaks exactly to what the Golden Globes are in that you cannot predict what they're going to do. It doesn't make sense for them to choose Ricky Gervais, except it's the Golden Globes, so of course it makes sense. So to that end... Very early on in the prognostication, morning show will be named Best Drama. Absolutely. It's on the site. <laughs> yeah, it's there. It's there. And uh, and I think Apple, as far as, as Apple Plus, Apple, Apple TV Plus knows, you know, that's that's their move. Um, their move to legitimize the morning show is by scoring big in the Golden Globes, keeping it in the conversation and giving it whatever faux sense of legitimacy it needs to carry through. And then we'll see what happens at the SAG Awards. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the actors think. And I'm, I'm very curious to see how they parse all of that. Well, it's also important to remember, like, one of the reasons besides just their strange taste that the Golden Globes seem like the best chance the morning show has to legitimize itself through the awards campaigns and and nominations and shows is the fact that they only have those 90-some members. They're trying to appeal to a very small crowd, so they know they can get those 90 people to watch the show. With the SAG Awards, you need more than that. You you can't literally get everybody into a room and screen it for every single person who's going to be voting for you. So you need to have the reach that we don't know that Apple has yet. We have no idea how many subscribers they have and how many people are actively watching their show. We know they're trying to give it away for free and, and you know letting those awards voters watch it so that it can earn it that way. But knowing that you got the 94 people who are going to vote on it to watch it versus not knowing that you got as many as you needed to watch it for the SAGs 
it's a safer bet. So it's, it's going to be a, a big, it'll be a much bigger statement to me if it makes headway at the SAG Awards. Than oh, of course. All right, Ben, The Crown is premiering this Sunday on Netflix. Why is this an interesting decision by Netflix? Because normally The Crown would premiere on a Friday night. Most Netflix original series premiere on Fridays. That's been their ongoing MO for a, as long as I can remember. Uh, with the idea that it's it's like a movie premiere, you kind of want to get those full three days. You want to get Friday night when people stay up late to watch it. You want to get Saturday and Sunday when they're lounged around the house to watch it. You want to get those eyeballs um, to kind of maximize the immediate impact that this has. Plus, they're releasing so much content one week after the next that, you know, you want to kind of have those full three days to make as big of an impact as you can. But with the third season of The Crown, for whatever reason, they have decided to move it to a Sunday. And I don't know why they're doing this. I Is it to compete with sort of like the HBO big Sunday night? But it isn't because it's, it's the entire... I think that's the problem. Yeah, like they... You could still watch The Crown in the morning and watch all your HBO content at night. And not at just HBO, Walking Dead and all the Sunday night stuff that you want to watch. Football. And I, obviously there's a huge overlap between the people who are going to be watching football all day and the people who are going to binge The Crown. Um, but it is an interesting choice to leap into the fray of the most competitive TV day of the week. I have a theory. And if I'm right, this theory would be a great segue to the next segment of our podcast. What if it's getting out of the way of the Mandalorian? Because the uh, Friday, in which Netflix shows usually drop, will be when Disney Plus drops the second episode of The Mandalorian. It's time day debut, let's say. Um, and then here on out, we'll release on Fridays until it's over. Um, could they just be ducking that, kind of giving Disney plus the weekend, um, so try to get some air between them and and the newest thing? Well, it's an, that's an interesting theory and definitely a plausible one considering how much buzz we've seen with The Mandalorian just on its launch day. Um, but what I think is interesting about it is you are hurting your show, in theory, by taking out days of the weekend that people could be watching it uh, in order to give the room for another show which is only watched, 40 minutes long which is only well and if you watch both of them even it's still like an hour so you you to me it feels like you're you're ducking competition and then also inviting competition because there's more things premiering on Sunday that people would want to watch so if they did decide to start the crown or they were thinking about starting the crown they might be like well I mean I'm not going to do it now because I've already got The Walking Dead and Watchmen tonight plus Mrs. Fletcher, because, you know, that's a huge hit and everybody loves it. And we're not going to miss the new episode of Mrs. Fletcher, guys, right? Everyone is nodding along in unison as you are speaking the words you are saying. Right. It's it's trading competition for another competition and they're different mediums, but you're also still handicapping the crowd and you want to give that the best platform it can to launch. And I just don't see how that's a benefit of, of costing itself two days. But time is endless. So just like television, I mean, is it, time yeah. is endless, like, just television. like television. So, I mean, what is this two days cost? Like, it's it's not like they're running out of time. You have to assume all the streaming services are doing the things they're doing based on data. Any, yeah. Anything outside of that would seem silly. I would hope I would hope, especially a company like Netflix, 
uh, would still be willing to experiment because uh, anybody like like anybody who's so rigid and follows the same policy over and over again, um, if they do that for enough years, they could miss the changing of the tides if they don't try out new things. Like HBO is obviously expanding their content lineup, so they're starting to drop things on Mondays and Fridays and sure. Sundays instead of just Sunday like they used to. Um, and that makes sense, and they're seeing success with that. But And Netflix, with its growing slate as well as its uh, heavy competition, it might want to look into doing the same thing. I so. mean, arguably, that's what FX and Hulu are doing. So um, I guess it makes sense even if we can't see the logic in it. You were just speaking uh, about a great segue into Disney Plus. Today, Disney Plus launched. There has been a lot of energy around the launch of Disney Plus this morning. I will say that my my under-enthused yay was more about more TV content because time is endless and so is television uh, than a direct reflection on Disney Plus, which I have to say I like against my will. Like I really like against my will. Um, I think it's very clean. I think it's it's a it's a good interface. And the way they have it laid out, I just saw so many things. It's like, oh, I haven't seen that in years, and it'd be great to see that because they have control of all of the archives and have them locked away. Um, I recognize that, but also I am a sucker, and late stage capitalism is horrible. It is just like reams and reams of nostalgia porn that you can just surf across. I can watch Saving Mr. Banks right now. That's not an that's, that's not in anyone's wheelhouse. I can watch The Finest Hours with Chris Pine. Why are you doing this? Well, because I legitimately am not excited about Disney Plus. I don't care. I am very agitated by the monopolization, is that a word, of entertainment. A lot of the offerings that they have are just not critical to me so I, I i'm i'm one of the skeptics and i did watch the mandalorian i think it's going to do exactly what it needs to do to get more subscribers but also they're all locked in already so but if anyone does nostalgia if anyone knows how to exploit that nostalgia it's disney and that they have shown that in spades with this launch well and i feel like i feel like launching with a star wars property especially emphasizes how they've weaponized nostalgia to their massive benefit. Like that was one of the properties they bought out a long time ago because they knew how to turn it into an ongoing franchise that would just, you know, print money for them again and again in a, in a million different ways. And um, to talk a little bit more about like the launch itself, mm -hmm. I feel like having that kind of central, widely appealing franchise of a series to launch with the service is very helpful so they can say hey listen we've got originals look at this one everybody wants to watch it you want the service you're gonna tune into it at some point and check this out and then everybody else who just was part of the disney family in whatever way however you want to define that people who love disney people who rely on those movies people who are excited about the stuff that they couldn't access for so many years being so accessible all of a sudden um that was right there too so they, they're offering quite a bit out of the gate they used all of their all of their synergy 
all of their tie-ins to maximize uh, the awareness of Disney+. Plus. They had Little Mermaid Live, which was basically a two-hour ad on primetime broadcast for both the original film and this new edition and the soundtrack and Disney+, Plus, which they showed ads for, and Frozen 2, which they had an exclusive sneak peek for. That was all in this big thing that was watched by more people than the Emmys, right? They didn't have like nine or 10 million or something obscene. You, Leo, keep talking about like the Simpsons and how on all the billboards around town, all the banner ads, they've got their big key. I mean, there, um, there is no better selling point than to say Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, Nat Geo, and the Simpsons. Like the Nat Geo one, as we discussed, no. is like that's that's the vegetables for when the kids have had too much sugar in the other realms of Disney. Or the adults. Like I, I was talking to one of our bosses, Ann Donahue, and, and she was like, after scrolling through all of that, she saw the Nat Geo stuff and she was like, oh, this is kind of like a relief because it's not like animated and colorful and loud and in your face. It's like a Zen garden. Um, and I think I hate how smart they are. I hate that they've had 60, 80 years to perfect this. And just so you know, uh, Little Mermaid Live ate the 2019 Emmys lunch ratings wise. Uh, it has scored just under 9 million total viewers, which were only solid numbers for a live TV musical. And the 2019 Emmys got uh, 6.9 million viewers. So yay television. So eating lunch for those who didn't know <laughs> <laughs> is good. But no, and then, and then this, it's exactly what you said. This is a perfectly orchestrated marketing campaign from a company that has been doing this for so, so very long. They've perfected the formula. They know how to work uh, all of their brands together as one to sell all of their other brands. And then this morning when The Mandalorian arrived, I mean, partially this is this is because of how I constantly have to think about Disney being this giant corporate entity and, and how imposing that is and how much control it has over a lot of our entertainment. Um, but that's how it felt to watch the show. The show itself to me felt like it was relying extremely heavily on the nostalgia for the original trilogy by purposefully evoking specific imagery and uh, and scenes from the original to try to make you feel like you had those same emotions for this new thing. And then by the end of the episode, it's hawking something that is very much a product, which Star Wars has always been good at ever since the Ewoks emerged and even before then, frankly. Um, it's hawking a new version of that perfectly timed for the holiday season. Like this came out November 12th and now there's going to be people who can one buy Disney plus subscriptions if they want to. And two buy these action figures and cute little dolls that are inevitably going to hit the market at any moment. There will be a 12 inch plushie of whatever happens at the end of the Mandalorian pilot. Right. And that's, and a man got cut in half. It feels (laughs) it's for for kids. It's for kids. kids. It's very cute. It feels like, that's what it's here to do, and the story and any sort of a actual emotion you'd have from watching the series is is second, third, or eighth priority. For more on Ben hating The Mandalorian, <laughs> you can go to his review on IndieWire.com. I have to co-sign that review. I, I mean, I, I did not feel connected to The Mandalorian at all. I felt so much more interested in the... I guess, I don't know, the mise-en-scene of it. Like, I liked the world it was in. I would love to see Cheers set in this world, um, like in that opening bar or in that kind of outdoor bazaar with the slow roasting thing. That was all just so much more interesting than what was actually happening. That's, that's the animal that uh, Jabba the Hutt has as a, as a pet. The laugher. Like, yeah. It has a very particular laugh. I think it's hard to not use this launch 
which albeit you may not enjoy the content therein, but to compare it against what Apple TV Plus did just a couple weeks ago, they, they happen so close together and yet one seemingly has overtaken the zeitgeist for a day and Apple TV Plus kind of just was there and there wasn't a ton of conversation around it. I think it's worth noting again how clear it is what Disney is selling. Like they have a lot to sell, but it's also very clear what it is. It's telling you these are the original series, uh, these are the movies, these are the classics. Like this is all the stuff that's going to be available on the service and it's just this service. We're selling you this app for this price. You just subscribe and you've got all that stuff. Apple had original series, and, and those were important to the rollout, but it also chose to emphasize the Apple TV app itself, which is supposed to be like a, a streamlining, a way to streamline how you watch TV in general. It's an entertainment hub. Right, and that's a much more complicated thing to sell to a mass audience. Also, Apple never really seemed to get over the barrier of people still think you have to have an Apple product to watch their shows or use that app, which is not true, but they never, like, they didn't get so far out in front of all these questions in a big enough way to kind of ease all of that in the public psyche, and I think that just muddled the release. Disney Plus isn't also saying if you add $9.99 a month, you get HBO. They're, they're not even doing an aspect of that. They are. Well, they're doing a bundle. But it's not HBO. It's their own. Are they doing it? I think it was Stars. Disney? Yeah. I thought when I when I signed up, there was a little thing about adding Stars for three months, maybe. So. Do you want to hear the reasoning behind the Stars thing? Which I think is kind of interesting. It's in order to get the licensing back for Star Wars The Force Awakens, which had been licensed out to Stars, So they've agreed to run ads because Stars is owned by Lionsgate. So in order to get the licensing back for The Force Awakens, or I guess to be able to share the licensing and have Force Awakens show up on Disney+, Plus, they've agreed to run these ads to sign people up for Stars. But I think, I think this I right here is kind of the point. It's, right. it's that you didn't know what was happening, but you didn't care. And oh, when yeah. you get the offer, it's like, okay, if I do want that, sure, I'll take it. But I, I'm coming here for a different reason. Right. And they when focused on that stars. different reason. They focused on that. Even the bundle was a secondary kind of thing that they talked about with ESPN and Hulu. It was there on the page when you signed up if you wanted to choose it. But they are still focusing on you get Disney Plus. This is what we're offering the entire time. Right. Apple TV Plus feels very much like, hey, remember when you didn't buy an Apple TV? Here's another Apple TV. Like they never differentiated between the two, maybe because they have the exact same fucking name. Uh, <laughs> but it's really hard to say where that confusion. I mean, my parents wouldn't watch Friday Night Lights because they assumed it was on Friday and they were busy at high school football games. <laughs> so I feel like at some point you're overestimating the executive functions of your audience and uh, maybe there's a little hand-holding like there should be when, you're, they should just... when you're talking about a service and signing people up it needs to be very easy to understand i still contend they should have thrown four more iphones at steve carell and just had him do some very basic walkthrough this is how you watch my show they still have time they still have time yep they, they still, can still do this they still should do this and it's it's i, I think lastly in terms of the compare like for me the comparison of these launches they're very different Success is defined differently for each of them. The fact that Disney is getting like a ton of social media traction and a lot of, of overt attention and like their service broke when people signed up and the assumption is that because too many more people signed up than they thought or more people were watching, like that's something they want you to think too. But beyond that, it's it's they're very they're gonna be they're gonna be judged by different metrics. Like Apple's success isn't necessarily defined by how many people they got signed up out of the gate. And for as much as it seems like 
things haven't gone as good as Apple may have hoped from the start, it doesn't mean that they're doomed by any means, and it doesn't mean that you know you can just write them off all of a sudden as opposed to Disney, who did everything perfectly. Like We'll still see how this kind of plays out over the next months and years. They so. did everything perfectly in the short term, and also the, I think the long-term goals are different. Yeah, the long-term goal of, of, of Apple it, is to uh, create a service that pairs nicely with the tech they're selling, um, and the long-term goal of Disney is to eradicate anything that gets in the way of everyone using it for its entertainment source, including theaters and everything else. Is Disney Skynet? Disney, yeah, that sounds about right. Libby, it's that time of the week. Do you have a show on Quibi yet? I do not have a show on Quibi. And at this point, maybe I don't even want one. Like, maybe I should just take my talents elsewhere, like YouTube or Facebook Watch. Yeah. <laughs> or Shutter. Ben, we haven't done wakeboarding without end out in a week. This week's question sent in by myself. Do you have to have read Watchmen to enjoy the show Watchmen? Let me tell you, Leo. No. Good. We're not going to talk any further about that. Ben has his answer. It is no. Millions of Screens is a production of the Penske Media Corporation and IndieWire. Our theme music features excerpts of the classic YouTube video Bjork talking about her TV and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Our editor-in-chief is Dana Harris. Our publisher is James Israel. And our executive editor is Ann Donahue. You can find us on Twitter at a million screens, at Midwest Spitfire, at Ben T. Travers, and at Leo Adrian Garcia. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. So please leave a review and maybe we'll mention your critiques and take your notes in further episodes. This is Ben, Libby, and Leo reminding you as always that you shouldn't let poets lie to you. You shouldn't let poets lie to you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.